Welcome to The Rodcast with Rod Turner, the show all about real estate. We discuss everything that affects asset-backed businesses, investments, and go deep into the details with some of the best in the business. Before we get started with this absolutely great interview with John Howard, I wanted to tell you about a workshop I'm putting on. This is a one-off event and all the money is going to charitable causes. Very sadly, a few weeks ago, someone took their own life as a result of getting heavily into debt from spending on property training schemes. All the money raised at this event is going to go into a junior ricer and a junior sip for the son that this man left behind. The day will be in London at a beautiful venue in St Catherine's Dock and it's for existing property portfolio holders or developers or property businesses and it's all about scaling and making business more efficient and understanding risk and reward. We have some fantastic businesses attending from private lenders to traders and developers and portfolio holders and coming from as far as Scotland and Malta. There's a link in the show notes so please check it out and get your tickets there. We'll be great to have you. Now let's get on with the interview. Hello everyone. Today I have the pleasure of being joined by John Howard. John has been in property for 40 years. He's bought and sold over 3,500 properties. He's owned businesses such as estate agencies, auction houses. He's been director of a football club and owns, breeds and trains racehorses. So it's an absolute pleasure to have you here, John. Thanks for coming. It's a pleasure to be here. So, John, do you want to just give us a real quick background into how you got into property in the first place? Okay. well, I was really, really lucky that my father was a greengrocer in Felixstowe. And when he was about 60 years old and I was about 11 years old, he decided he wanted to be an estate agent. So he bought an estate agent. At the age of 60? At the age of 60. The problem was everyone knew him as a good greengrocer. No one knew he could value houses and I don't think he could. (laughs) So that was a bit of a problem. And so so in the holidays I would help him. I would cycle round and find out where the for sale boards were and he gave me 50 pence a time. And then he'd go and knock on the door and try and get them to sell. And I used to hold the tape for him. And, you know, in those days, it was a tape. It wasn't like infrared thing yeah. and all the rest of it. So, so yeah, it was, so I had a really, really good grounding. And when I was 17, I left school. My father was ill. I left school. He'd been in hospital. Business was where well, there really wasn't any business. And on my, so on my 17th birthday, I left school to go and help. And it was a baptism of fire because within four months he was back in hospital and I was running it myself. Uh-huh. One man band with a secretary in those days. Used to, used to close for lunch in those days. I mean, it was ridiculous when you think back now. But we had an insurance broker side okay. of sorts. Yeah. In those days you had a load of different things. So we had insurance brokers. We had a building society, a little wow. building side, agency of a little building right, society. Okay, yeah. uh, and we had property management as well as selling, trying to sell the old house. So it was really good grounding. And of course, we're losing money. So it was even better grounding. So it was fabulous in that respect. A bit scary but, but for me, because but, I stammered badly until I was 18 years old. Okay. So that was a problem as well. And then when I was 18, on my 18th birthday, I bought my first two properties. So my not, mother lent me a lot of money. Yeah, two. <laughs> so I bought a flat and a house. Okay. And it was, it was like part of a... A, a deal that um, one of our clients had had. Uh, they bought that like, ten flats in yeah. the house. And, the and was it was it was the intention as an investment, and or was, was a, it to live in? Or? No, no, it was it was just a trade. 
Because okay. I realised after about three weeks of being an estate agent that it's a mugs game. <laughs> I mean, I, now I've got some more estate agents, so, it's, so I've gone full circle. We'll, but, we'll talk about that. Yeah, yeah but it was yeah. a real... But, but actually, I realised I want to be buying and selling. I don't want to be, you know, yeah. beholden to everyone else. Yeah. So I managed to buy this... Um, uh, and I've got a TV programme coming out about it, actually, and we filmed down there where, where my first property deal was and so on, which is quite interesting. So I bought uh, 9000 I think I paid £9,250 for a flat with a sitting tenant, which means we couldn't get them out yep. in those days. You used to try and buy those. And, and that's a, not a tenant in situ, that's sitting tenant. A sitting tenant, tenant so yeah, is, and, yeah. A, and, a, and a cottage that the old local fisherman had, and he was a sitting tenant as well. So I couldn't get him out either. But what I managed to do is persuade the the tenant in the flat that they should buy the flat off me. Oh, so they they paid me eight thousand two hundred and fifty pounds, I think, just for the flat. So I was away then. So I gave my my, my mother yeah. her. I think she lent me three and a half thousand, and the bank lent me the rest. That Brilliant. was there were the days. And it was they? just a normal the bank, bank manager, loan. So no yeah, more. Bank manager bank came to look at it with me, and it was fantastic. Well, yeah, the, the days um, of going to actually speak to a human and, being. And, and, the yeah. other, and the other day, I found the old sales book um, where we used to put all our sales in, and my father had from 1970 odd right through to when I sold the business. In I, I bought the business off my father when I was 19, and I sold it. When I was 24, okay. and um, it had in there that the my sale to the tenant. So yeah, yeah, nine thousand yeah, yeah. to it. That's why I can remember how much it is now because it was in there. So that was great. So it was a great start, and then I, I carried on from there, buying and selling. And then in, when I was twenty four years old, I met a guy called Robert Boyce, who um, had just started then a thing called the Holiday Property Bond, okay, yeah. which has now got like three hundred fifty million invested into it. It's a bit like timeshare with a difference. Yeah, yeah. Very upmarket, a very respected business. But he was also a, a chicken farmer, and he had something like one percent of the UK poultry market or something. Wow, so okay, doesn't sound a lot, yeah. but it's yeah, yeah, quite yeah, yeah. a lot. But he wanted to do more property deals, so uh, we were introduced uh, together, and he said, "Yeah, great, get cracking." So we did. Um, so did, how did that work? Did he give you, I mean, essentially like a hunter facility to go out and buy yeah, properties? I like and, that yeah. word, hunter facility. I like that. So <laughs> yeah, so we're basically. Uh, we formed a property company yeah. and he put the money in and we went and did I owned half of it and he went we went and did a load of deals and by about 1990 we had borrowings of about 14 million brilliant so okay. we were flying yeah, we, yeah, used yeah. Be, I used to, we used to buy tower blocks refurbish them sell them off individually and always and so selling on. you didn't want to hold properties he never wanted to hold much yeah, yeah. He, his view was and I still see him now mm-hmm. and I still do deals with his son which is lovely oh, brilliant. 35 yeah, years yeah. later so his view was that he had enough. He was wealthy. He had yeah. enough property anyway. And his view was he wanted to, you know, income, income, income. It was all capital, sorry, not income. Um, so that's what we did. And it was a really exciting time. I was in my 20s and, you know, Porsches and doing the deals, living in a, bought a very nice country house. And, and then, of course, the music stopped. Um, and when was that? 1992, in 90, the yeah, recession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was survived the recession in the, in the um, early the 80s, 80s, if yeah, you like yeah, that. Yeah. Was that, it more of a dip, wasn't more it? More of a dip. The and interest I, rates yeah, and I, up, yeah, yeah, I survived that okay. The 1991 was a bit more serious because we had borrowings of 13, 14 million or something. But we survived it. We, we survived it partly so, because we had property all over the UK. If it was just in one place, so I you think were diversified by sort of so, geography yeah, and yeah, so, so yeah. We, had, we had properties all so over. So when London went. 
yeah, Club, absolutely. Over yeah, in, and the, the Midlands wasn't yeah. so bad. Yeah. And, 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 and I'm naturally, I'm a trader. Yeah. So I naturally trade my and way. So you're situations. keeping a bit liquid as well. I'm and keeping yeah, a bit liquid, yeah. and of course, a, 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 and a wealthy backer helps. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, although course, yeah. he then lost appetite for it a little bit, which mm. I don't blame him. Yeah. And I then uh, met my current partner, uh, Jeremy Scouse, who's an, uh, an accountant, and we've worked together for 28 years, something like that. And he he's told me he wants to retire next year. He's had enough of me, <laughs> uh, which is a bit disappointing because I'm only 38 and he thinks he's 59. So. I don't care. <laughs> So, I mean, you, you touched on it there, and, and it seems like you're a bit of a property trader at heart, having obviously bought and sold, I think, 3,500 yeah. properties. Do you ever like to hold on to properties? And if so, is there a specific type of property or value or use class, location, tenant type, etc., that you prefer? Or do you let kind of the external factors, like you talked about in 1992, do you let these external factors dictate when you hold and what you hold? That's a very, very good question. So, in after 1992, and I survived and, you know, wasn't worth as much as I was before. No mm. one was. Yep. No one is, by the way, with yep. a recession. They might kid themselves. They are, even if they carry on holding the stock, it's mm. probably gone down 30%. Yeah, but if so everyone's gone down 30%. They have, yes, that's true. Yeah. And by the way, coming out of recession is the best time to make money. Mm. I've made more money coming out of recessions than I have at any time apart from that. And I think, I think from my point of view, I, I decided then that I would build up a portfolio of properties for have something. Coming out of the coming recession. Coming out of that recession. Yeah, okay. So yeah. I decided, uh, along with Jeremy, yeah. that we would do that. So although I've always had other backers as well as yeah. um, my partner, yeah. he always had the first choice of the deals. Yeah. And of course, yeah. when you have different backers, they quite often... You can have different backers because quite often they want different things. Yes. So one of them likes to convert listed buildings mm-hmm. and do that, which I've done a lot of. Another one only wanted to trade deals and buy and sell. Yeah. So, you know, you can have more than one mm-hmm. backer. And people say, oh, I need a JV partner. Well, I wouldn't just have one necessarily, but yeah, you just yeah, have to yeah. be honest with them and make sure that each one knows what they're getting yeah. offered and they're not getting offered it second second. Second hand. Oh, and it says, for example, you might have needed income at the time, yep. and uh, Jeremy, like you yep. say, might have just wanted the capital appreciation. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you can work so, things out. So like you that, work yeah. things out like that. And, and the biggest thing with any backer, and I say to, when I do the, my seminars and bits, is be honest with them from the start, mm. under promise, okay. and over deliver. You know, and don't don't start telling them things you can't do mm. because you've got to give them confidence. And also, if there's a property that you want to do yourself, tell them. Mm. Don't just do it sneakily. Tell them, look, this is a property I want to buy. This is the reason I want to buy it my own. And they'll respect you for that. If you don't tell them and they find out, it really upsets them. So coming out of 92, you decided with Jeremy you wanted to build a portfolio. Was yeah. there a specific type of property you wanted in that portfolio or were you well there was always in in those days there were still sitting tenants about not so many and we've only got a few left now and of course with sitting tenants you would buy at 50% of open market value and they came vacant you double your money And you know we were what a great thing to great put thing. into trust for a kid. Or great, something absolutely. Like that. <laughs> but of course they won't lend you much money on yeah. them. So that's what you got to remember. That you, the, the banks. It's not like now when you've got you know fifty five thousand banks and lending institutions. In those days, you know you had the main banks and one or two others. I'd never forget we went and spoke to the co op bank because in nineteen ninety two no one was lending. The co op bank was still lending. We went to the co op and they said, uh, "What are your views on hunting?" And I went. Jeremy's my 
Jeremy Scouse would kick me under the table because I go hunting. Right, okay, he kicked yeah. me under the table. <laughs> and so I said, I really disagree with hunting. <laughs> That's good because if you said yes, we couldn't lend you the money. <laughs> well, so, you know, it's just things I remember just talking to you, Rod. You know, it's funny, isn't it? It's a bit like in the 70s, I think, when people were trying to get, don't quote me on this, but I think their gambling licenses all changed in yes. London and suddenly casinos yeah. couldn't borrow from the banks. Yeah. And so they had to start going after, uh, for, uh, trying to get money from pension funds yeah. or overseas. It yeah. caused an absolute nightmare. Nightmare, yes. nightmare. So you have to be adaptable. Yeah. I think the word is we're looking for, Rod, adaptable. Exactly. And, and the other thing is, over the years, what I've managed to do, I mean, everyone goes out commercial to residential at the moment, commercial to residential, as if it's something new. Good God, it, they were doing it two, three hundred years ago, probably. Yeah, yeah. And certainly in the 80s and 90s, we, we did, I did a lot of commercial to residential, mainly on things like solicitor's offices that were residential originally. Yeah. Then they might have bought four, four townhouses up to make into offices, mm-hmm. and moved there, but now they're moving out somewhere. And we'd convert those. We did a lot of listed buildings, a lot of listed what buildings. What did you find was the hardest thing about listed buildings? Hardest thing about listed buildings is making sure that um, the, the, you know, the local listed, uh, the, uh, the local... The um, heritage officer. Heritage officer yeah. is on your side. Yeah, yeah. And it's so important that you must do... You must get it absolutely right and don't strip anything out. Don't do anything until you've got permission to do yeah, so. Yeah. If you ever do strip some uh, pro, um, some some wood out or something that you haven't got permission for because he hasn't turned up or she hasn't turned up, take a photograph of it, where what it was, but leave it in the property. Do not destroy anything. Yeah. Wait until you get permission to do so. Good advice. So, 92, started building this portfolio yeah. and it was... Were you still doing the same kind of thing, buying these blocks? No, we stopped buying the blocks because what happened with the tower blocks was that the building society stopped lending on high rise. Mm-hmm. So uh, is we, that because of the construction type? Yeah, the I think it was like, just the market more than anything else, and I think they got caught by lending too many. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on one block, and now of course you know how cautious they all are. Well, I mean, you try getting, especially on these ex-council ones, it's yeah. how many are privately owned, Absolutely. what's the percentage. And actually, they are right. Yeah, they are right. They, they are right. Because they've never had the fingers yeah, burned. Yeah, yeah. So you can understand that. So we, we did a mixture of, of trading, mm-hmm. uh, as well as buying, keeping some, selling some, uh, as well as uh, converting. and that But what was the decision? What Or what were the, maybe yeah. the factors yeah. that you looked at for whether you decided, right, we're going to keep this one, or no, we're going to hold this one? I really like buying properties where there's two or three different parts to it. At the moment, we're looking to buy a care home mm-hmm. for 900 odd grand. Just got it agreed today. And there's three elements to it. There's the care home that I can convert into six houses. Mm-hmm. There's a detached house on the side, which I can just bang out to someone else or yep. sell at auction. Great, get some cash back. And there's a, a site probably for five or six houses, which I need to get planning on. And I love that because I've got, I've got three bites of the cherry. I'm yep. not going to build the new houses. I'll probably get planning on them and sell them or if I'm really lazy I'm going to find someone to buy it off me subject to planning permission mm-hmm. let them have the hassle I'm going to sell the house off immediately and then I'm going to convert what's left convert the care home and keep that care home then. no sell them all off right okay that's a, just a development yeah yeah okay yeah. okay brilliant so when so when would you hold it then so the sort of property we might hold is that we, you know, we if we buy a block of flats, we yeah. might sell six, keep four. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, yeah. We bought a big, uh, relatively big block in Brighton in 1994. Still got them. All. In right, fact, okay. I've just put another seven on the roofs. Okay, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So we've got about thirty something, thirty odd flats there. Yeah. So we, you know, that's that's really. And there's not a specific that. tenant type you're looking for, or no. We bought that with a few sitting tenants, yeah, yeah, and of course, yeah. over the years they've yeah, gone, exactly, and we've yeah. and, and and we've replaced them with short old tenants, and the incomes have gone up. You know, if you're, you know, property is a long, normally a long-term game, a game, and uh, 
you know, I've managed over the years to earn a living on an annual basis by buying and selling and trading yeah. as well as keeping. But for a lot of people, you know, if you, you know, if you keep it, keep probably 20, 30 years and get the cycle right, because yeah. everyone knows, well, not everyone, but, uh, but you know well as well as I do that every 15, 20 years is a property recession. Mm-hmm. But if you get the cycle right, then you can make a lot of money. That's where people get wealthy through capital appreciation. Isn't More it? than anything else, and where your parents and my parents got wealthy, yeah. to be honest well, yeah. with you, <laughs> didn't they? And of course, we're getting accused of that now with our kids, but I'm not sure it's quite the same. So, one of the things we haven't really talked about is some of the things you, some of the businesses you've been part of yes. uh, that aren't property related. Yeah. So, obviously, you were passionate about Cambridge United Football Club and yeah, became well, a that, director. Yes. Well, what happened was there. Uh, I was a frustra- every football director is a frustrated footballer. <laughs> That's the first thing. So I was 25 years old. I'd made a bit of money. And so you were young for a Yeah, yeah. I was the youngest uh, football director in the in, in, um, Football League at the time. So I was 25, 26. I made a bit of money uh, and wanted to get involved in football. Bigger club would be, wouldn't be of any interest because I wouldn't have enough money for that. Yeah, yeah. But Cambridge United went along and they were very, they were very, uh, very kind to me and invited me on the board. I put some money in, as you do. Had 18 great years at the club. We nearly got in the Premiership, two quarterfinal FA Cups. We started off in Division Four, nearly got into the Premiership, and then we sort of built like snakes and ladders football clubs. Yeah, yeah. You know, gates of four, five thousand. I oversaw the youth policy for many years. We produced some great young players, and then with the Bosman ruling, which meant we couldn't sell the young players and all sorts of other things. It, it you know, every football club budgeted to lose, even those days half a million quid a year and you had yeah. to make it up by selling players yeah. well in the end we got to the point where we couldn't sell any players and uh, the ground was uh, we, but we owned our own ground and uh, we had an extraordinary general meeting where it was decided that um, I was allowed to buy the ground and lease it back to the club for 50 <laughs> years which is what we did yeah. I think the rent was 200,000 or something that caused all hell, all hell let loose and uh, I got because um, of conflict of interest yeah sort of I thing, think or? I mean we had it valued properly and yeah, yeah, extraordinary yeah. all, all above board uh, and of course, it was, it, we, yeah, we leased it for 50 years back to the club. But anyway, uh, uh, all sorts of hell let loose. We then got into, we were then were forced into administration, which we only lasted four months. We Who, the, fo- the football club? football club yeah. was, yeah. Which Not inter- the property was, code. No, <laughs> thank goodness, no. God forbid. And then, so we were the biggest contributor to getting out of trouble. Right. But um, new directors came in and the guys I worked with for four years went. I stayed on because I felt I had a duty to want to stay on and... I was the only one with any run experience running a football club, to be mm, fair. Mm. The other directors came in, one or two from the supporters club, which is a disaster, in mm. my, my, my view, on that. Um, some other guys who were okay, uh, but they then decided that they wanted to get rid of me. So we had a ball meeting one night, and I thought they weren't talking to me as usual. And I know <laughs> why now. <laughs> anyway, so that we then sold the ground after five years to um, Grosvenor Estates, yeah, yeah, yeah. or oh, part right. of Grosvenor yeah, yeah, Estates. Yeah. Uh, because they felt they could relocate the club, and they mm-hmm. haven't managed to. Yeah, but they were in a much on them. They're, they're a very long term. Long term, yeah, like yeah. And, the, and, and, and you know, I needed. I couldn't give them a rent free period because yeah, we yeah. needed. We yeah. needed the rent yeah, to pay yeah. the mortgage yeah. and so on. But of course, they gave them. I think three years rent free. So all in all, it's all it worked, worked out very well. Yeah. well. yeah. And so, kind of my my follow up to that yeah. was, and obviously, I know you, you're big into horse racing. Yes. You own some horses yeah. and things like yeah. that. So, do you go into these? these types of businesses from a business point of view or is it purely from a passion I, project point of view I go into them Rod hoping to break even okay yeah hoping to break even so 
with the with the rate with the with the horse racing, I'm more interested or was more in the training of the horses mm -hmm. than I was going along and, and, and being at Ascot and everything yeah, else. Yeah, it's yeah. not really my it's not, not my scene, but mm -hmm. I I'm much more on the gallops, working you know, riding the horses, working the horses, working out what race to put them in and so on. You do two years as an assistant trainer to get your license, you have to yeah. do two years. Okay. Which I did, qualified to get my license and everything, and then I decided uh, in 2008, 2009, this was, you know, we hadn't bought much for two years because of the recession. Mm -hmm. We timed that about right. And then I had the opportunity to buy Auction House UK, which had seven, fran seven franchises based but, in Norwich. But Auction House UK, I'm imagining, mm. you, we talked about the horse racing yeah. and, and the football, yeah. and where, you, where you've said you, you've gone into that just yeah. to break even. Yes, yeah. So they're clearly more passion projects. Absolutely, completely. So, so yeah. with those, are there any negatives to doing that? Yes, an awful lot of negatives. <laughs> uh, how to make a small fortune out of horses, start off with a big one. <laughs> so that's the first thing so uh, it's very difficult and we were horsey my wife's horsey yeah. and we knew what we were doing yeah. and it's still very very difficult and now my would wife's you do, would, you, would you do it again? I wouldn't do it again what I would, what I would do I would train some horses over hurdles and jumps because I could do most of the work myself right. and you just you can get a permit which means you, you can have at least three horses but you do it yourself yeah. and, and it's something at some point you love I'd love doing. to do that yeah. 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 but I've also got some show jumpers with a very good friend of mine international show jumper so I'm, I've got a few um, legs of horses which, which qualifies me as a groupie which means I then could go to Europe and watch them jump and everything else and very sociable, very nice yeah. sociable time. And I find that is a really good way of relaxing. Yeah. Okay, I've still got my emails. If you've got a deal with Rod, you can still contact me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> don't worry. But, but you know, I'll go for three or four days at a time, yeah. uh, watch the horses. Ho hopefully someone's going to make a bid for one of them because they don't, yeah. uh, if they do but well. That's not what you're it's, for, no, it's a bit it? of fun. Yeah. And I find that really relaxing, yeah. a really good thing to do. So you mentioned Auction, auction House UK. So do you want to just run us through what happened yeah. with that? Yeah, so, so I got a phone call um, back. In fact, I was at a stallion parade in Holland with my wife, who's a dressage, international national dressage rider and judge. And we're, I'm freezing. And I get this phone call, thank God someone's phoned me, because once, once you've looked at about 40 stallions going round, you've looked at about, <laughs> it goes on and on. So I took the phone call, and it was Brian Baxter, who's a friend of mine, who's a great, great auctioneer, but I think he's the best auctioneer in the UK, uh, Brian Baxter, Auction House UK uh, auctioneer. And, and he said, look, John, you know, we need a couple hundred grand for the wages, because the auction business wasn't a problem. Find a country, which was also part of their group, wasn't yep. a problem. But they had 11 estate agents, and this was at the height of the recession. And so, yeah. 11 estate agents in Norwich. I don't know why they had 11. When you look back now, it sounds mad, but they had 11 spotted around Norwich. Right. So they, he said, look, we need the money for, the, for that. I said, look, I don't think we'll just shove the money in for that, but... So you looked at what was working for yeah. the business and said... Yeah, yeah and said, so look, but what we will do, if you want to sell Auction House or have as a shareholder as yeah. Auction House with you, Brian, we'd be love to do that. I'm mm -hmm. sure I could persuade my partner to do that. Anyway, long story short, we ended up inheriting Fine and Country, which I knew nothing about. So I walked in, and they still remind me, the guys, so I walked in the Fine and Country office the day after we bought it, because it had to be done all very quickly because yeah. administration. And yeah. I walked in and said, oh, hi, I'm John Howard. Uh, we've just bought this business what's it all about so 
Um, and literally, but you could own the well, yeah, I had done, but yeah. I vowed never to do the damn thing again. Right. <laughs> now we've got five estate agents across Norfolk, the finding country, and they're doing very, very well. The mistake I made is I thought I could do the same thing in Essex. Right. I did the same thing in Essex, and I lost money. Right. Okay. Not good. Well, that's interesting. Really good business. We all go away at Christmas this year. We're going to Porto. Thirty-four of us going to Porto. Brilliant. For our, our Christmas bash, we go away every year. I learned that off the football club, football managers. As soon as you they become the manager yeah. first thing they do they want to take the players away they want to get to know bond. the players yeah. bond 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 so that's what we do every year and then auction house itself had seven franchises so yeah. just getting going yeah. it ran the Norwich business itself which it still does yeah. auction in Norwich and it had seven and then we grew that to 42 and then wow. last year one of the other co-shareholders um, said look we quite like to cash in on it mm-hmm. and he didn't and he said look why don't I buy you out so it's an easy sale so we did that so Jeremy and I uh, sold our shares in that Uh, I'm sorry to see it go because it was a great great little business and the whole ethos of the business was you will get more money if you sell your house by all property by auction regionally than you will if you send it to London and I think that still works yeah I think so I think that's right because I you know in the past I bought in London Mm. and I've sold (laughs) you know bought in London auction and sold in another auction So, uh, and I've, I've re- just finished my uh, third book on auctions, buying and selling auctions, comes out in hopefully February, if I can improve my spelling. <laughs> Fantastic, <laughs> well, I, yeah, I have to find a bit more, more out about that and so we can <laughs> let the audience know. So, uh, you kind of mentioned fine and country and obviously the estate agency before, so you've obviously been pretty successful in owning and operating these estate agencies, obviously with the exception of the Essex. Essex, yes, Essex. absolutely. But in, in the current climate where We've got sales transactions that are very low. Also, from a letting side, you've got the cost of getting things wrong with all the new legislation. So that cost of getting things wrong is increasing every day. What can agencies and some of these asset managers do to keep revenues coming in and stay profitable in these times where it's quite quite tricky? What would be your advice? That's a very tricky question. Good question. <laughs> um, I would say, it, uh, from, for our point, I can only talk from our point yeah. of view. And, and do you do lettings? Yeah, we, yeah do, we do some lettings. The problem with the Finding Country brand, it's a fantastic brand, mm. by the way, upmarket brand. The problem with it, of course, is you don't want to attract properties that aren't... On brand. On brand. Yeah. So that's a bit tricky. Mm. So we tend to do, we do have a letting service, and it's probably for our clients who decide they can't sell but yeah. want to rent rather than uh, a, a, a yeah. sort of run, run-of-the-mill yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, letting agency. Yeah. So that's the first thing. Um, we've also introduced mortgage broker business into it as well, mm-hmm. which, is, which is good. That's another revenue stream. It is another in, revenue yeah. stream. Most of these good agents now live off their property management. Mm-hmm. It's a bit like, a, it's a bit like a, um, these modern, modern um, garages, that the service, the service bill covers the whole of their of their running costs their overheads, yeah. and uh, overheads and, and the profit is in the cars they sell mm-hmm. and that's what most of them do we can't do that at finding country because of the level mm. of houses and the commission it must, must be even so, harder for, so for it's, risk, it's a little bit yeah. riskier and someone always said to me John you're only ever three months away from going bankrupt yeah. in the state agents and that's true because if you sell nothing for three months well, you're in big trouble because yeah. you can't reduce your overheads well, three months is not a long time it's not, you just cannot reduce yeah, your overheads yeah, yeah. But what we have, certainly in Norfolk, we have got a really, really strong brand. Mm-hmm. It's a great brand anyway. 
and we've been at it a long time in Norfolk. It's a very good brand. I've surrounded myself, and as I know we spoke about this before, you do as well, with the very best people you can find. Mm. Because to be honest with you, whether you're paying them 10, 15,000 pounds more, it's irrelevant. Mm. You're better to have the very best people around you, because in a good, in tough times, they the tough the tough get going. Yeah, yeah. And what I find what I find from that is that we work with people who probably should own their own businesses, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason haven't got the balls to do so, don't have the funds to do so. So they run these agencies for us mm-hmm. on the basis they have a small share of the profit. Yeah. So they take ownership. And they take ownership, way, yeah. and, and, and you know, I spin the plate once a month and go and see them. And it's by the way, it's always bacon roll day when I go. <laughs> I don't know why that should be. Oh, it's bacon roll day, John. We're just about to get them. Oh yeah, Muggins is paying yeah. for them again, and coffees and so on. That's fine. I am really at the top level of that in terms of overseeing it. So and just tweaking a few things from here to now and again, so rather than deep in it. You're, you're at what I would. I always make the distinction here about from a managing director to a shareholder. And if you're a managing director, you're you're in quite yep. a stressful, yep. high high stress yep. kind of job yeah. where you're running that yeah. company from a shareholder maybe once a month, looking yeah. over the figures. I'm a bit of a hybrid between yeah. the two, I would say. And I like to do. I like to make sure I'm the managing director of things that I enjoy and yeah. I'm passionate about, yeah. so the front-end development, but when it comes to property management, okay. which I'm not... So I'm a bit of a Boris Johnson. Okay. Oh, right. Now, that okay. may be good or bad, depending <laughs> how you feel, so, so, and depending what he's doing at the time. I'm a delegator. Mm-hmm. So one thing about Boris is that he's a brilliant delegator. The London, when he was London Mayor, I met a number of the people who he works with, London Mayor, who are now, now working with him at Number 10, mm-hmm. And they are, he's a good delegate, gets good people around yep. him. And in that respect, I do the same. Mm-hmm. What made you decide it was the right time? This kind of going back to the auction house. Mm. When you, I think you've already answered this, because what made you decide it was the right time to sell those shares in auction house? Was it just because someone came and gave you that offer? Well, I, I actually, this year, meeting all these people in, in what I'm doing this year, which is you know, the books and the seminars and bits, I actually regret, personally, I sort of regret uh, selling the business, my shares, because I think I could have added more value to it mm. with all the people I've met this year. However, um, my business partner wants to retire next year, which is really important, and, and, and if he's doing that, and he's been fantastic with me, and I don't want to stand in his way doing that and getting and selling the company and the shares in that particularly is one less thing he's got to worry about. Mm. If I had the chance to buy them back at what I sold them for, I might buy them back. Really? But that okay. that's, that's possible. Yeah, yeah, I miss it. I miss yeah. it. Okay. I do miss it. What were your biggest challenges to you when you were scaling, one, your investment side of the business? Yep. So this is going back to that whole kind of yep. shareholder mentality, yep. whether it was buying shares in an auction house yep. or uh, holding yep. on to properties. And two the actual asset management businesses and how you were managing those, whether even that was managing the developments and things like that or just managing the tenants. So what were the biggest challenges when you're scaling both of those things? Well, it's interesting because this year probably I'm doing, I've done more this year with property in terms of developing it Mm. because I take the view that when I buy a deal, I, I buy a deal and I think, well, at worst I've got to develop it. At worst, not at best. Yeah. At worst. So you're looking. So I look. Primary to, exit. I'm going to hold it. Yep. And yep. if if that yeah if so, I don't want so to do that, we sell it. Yeah. At worst. Yeah. So 
so I look at a deal and think, right, we buy a lot without planning permission or with problems. Mm-hmm. Sort those problems out, make sure they're problems you can solve, yeah. and then add the value and flog it on. Mm-hmm. If I can't do that, then I develop it. If I then can't sell them all on after developing it, or it's going to take too long to do, or I might decide to keep a third of them and sell the rest, get my cash back and go again. This year has been a very challenging year because we've had over £30 million pounds worth of, um, of building work going on, which is very rare. Mm. I don't, I'm not doing that every year, I promise you. <laughs> uh, and I, I really like trading blocks of flats yeah. and stuff like that. Rather it's than just actually happened, building yeah. out. Yeah. And we've got 40 odd million pounds of the property to and sell what, next so year. So why is that? So is that just because of the market and what's happening? Yeah, it's here? just, I, I got the opportunity to buy this tower block in Ipswich mm-hmm. uh, called the Wine Rack, uh, yeah. 150 flats. But we've got other projects on as go, and they've just all come through together. Right, so okay. next year I've got 40 odd million quid of the property to yeah. sell. So which, you know, it's a lot. Mm. For us, it's a mm. lot. Mm. Um, uh, but next year, we, won't, we hardly have any building work. Yeah. So we've gone from 30-odd million pounds of building work this year to none. So suddenly the So Jeremy will be pleased because yeah. he's got no ca- cash flow, will be better. <laughs> but of course, he'll be moaning if the money doesn't come in. Yeah. So he, he's never happy. He's like a farmer, my partner. He's never happy. <laughs> in terms of the challenges then, mm. what, what would you say were the, were the hardest things that you had to overcome? I think then? the hardest thing anyone has to overcome is finding the right deals. Yeah. yeah. Finding, because if you find the right deals... Whether you want to keep it or sell it, if you buy right, you've got the choice to do whatever you want. Mm. If you get it wrong, and we've all made it, we've all got it wrong, mm-hmm. and we'll and hopefully I won't make too many more mistakes in my career, but I'm sure I will. It's very hard. It's a tough game. Mm. People think it's a it's, and a, it's incredibly a, risky. It's an, yeah. yeah, I mean, and there are some people out there who just got that mindless touch. Mm. I haven't got that. I'm like a, I describe myself at a seminar on Monday in Manchester, I was, a seminar in Manchester on Monday, and, and I said, I would, I described, they said, oh, where are you in the pecking order? I say, I'm a championship club, uh, 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 and a championship club, so you've got division, division four, division two, division one, which is now championship, mm-hmm. and then Premier League. So I'm, I'm championship, I need to keep doing the deals, I enjoy doing the deals, uh, and if there's a recession... Division four goes first. They're out the window because they're not very good. Then, then division two. Then the championship boys get into trouble, and the premiership boys one or two do. And that's how I see the pecking order. Yeah. And I could have done better in my career, but I could have done a lot worse. So you kind of mentioned when a recession comes along. Yep. So in two thousand, I think it was seven. Yeah. You really slowed down on what you were doing. Yeah, two thousand five onwards, really. And, we, and went yeah. on to sort of. Well, yeah, I kept going to these dinner parties, and I was yeah. told I was being told by everyone. I went, you know, who you sit next to. As soon as you say you're a property developer, they want they want to tell you how many houses they've bought and how much money they've made themselves and their doctors or their God knows what. And I thought, when when people know nothing about the business are making a fortune, get out. It's time to get out. Yeah. Every time it is, and if you get out a bit early, don't worry about it because yeah. your time will come. And, and I always say my, about my dog, I've got a labradoodle called Ivy, and I always say that if my Labrador, Labradoodle called Ivy could her paw if her paw was a signature when the market's hot she could make as much money as any of these other people yeah the difference true. was is she wouldn't know when to stop putting a paw on it mm. they should know but they don't mm. and and in the seminars I do I explain about how I've survived how I've survived three recessions and what to do in order to survive and also to make the most of, of, of when you're coming out of a recession and it's so important and where would you say we are now? Because I certainly see a lot of people coming, talking it's, about properties. Yeah, yeah. so... Well, I, different parts of the country. I agree, uh, and it is yeah. different. Other yeah. parts of the country are different. I mean, some parts of the country have gone up 10% last mm-hmm. year. 
What I would say is that um, we're obviously closer to a recession than we were in 2009 because we came out of one. That's the first thing. I'm being offered a few deals and sites part finished. And that's the first sign that there is a problem on the horizon. I think... I stopped doing stuff in London in around 2016. You're a very smart man. And, and from about 2017, yeah. in London, this is just yeah. just London. It yeah. was it was you heard the rumblings yes. of people getting into trouble. Yeah. And twen- yeah. towards the end of 2018, well, what, we yeah. suddenly yeah. saw well, right. Well, that's okay, what this I'm is hearing out. around yeah. the country now a little bit. And I think I it's keep, starting to come out of London it now. It is, a yeah. Bit, and yeah. I, I, I'm getting I'm getting offered part finished deals. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which is great if you've got, is, like you said, is, if, if your yeah. secondary exit you've got is some, to sell, yeah, and you've got some cash, you've got some cash, or you can get hold of some cash. Yeah. It may not be a bad thing, but of course, what mm. you don't want to do is catch a falling knife. No, exactly. Yeah. So you've well, got there's, to be there's no prizes for being first mover. Absolutely, there's no prizes for that. And in a recession, interesting, the average uh, auctions, seventy-three percent of property sell at auction during the auction or straight afterwards. Mm-hmm. In a recession, that goes down to 50%. Wow, that's great. And that's yeah. residential, I'm residential. guessing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And 3,000 odd properties sold at auction every, every yeah. month. So when people say, oh, I can't find a deal, I say, well, have you looked in the auctions? Yeah. It's all in the bloody catalogues. Yeah, yeah. yeah they should find I, I love buying at auction. Yeah, yeah. 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 But, but, but you need to know what you're doing. You know what you're doing, Rod. But you need, you know, it's different. You need to know what you're doing. And, and I'm trying to give people confidence to do so. However, a few things that mask where we are now. Go on. Yeah. One, I think, is the interest rate's incredibly low yeah. for the average people. Mm-hmm. Not people who are borrowing, bridging, and, and madness and so on. But the average person paying probably 2% on their mortgage at home mm-hmm. to 2.5%. It's crazy. It's unbelievable. Yeah. The help to buy scheme is a 10 billion help to buy scheme. That's masked the, mar- the, mar- yeah. the market a bit as well. Uh, and if that was to go, we would be all in big trouble. Um, well, so there's a it few just reduces, things. It reduces the motivation for developers to develop. Well, Especially I, when you have the 106 totally, and things like absolutely, that. And, it's, totally and, it's, it, yeah. and actually, if those developers aren't doing it from the ground up, then... Yeah. That's going to really stifle the market. I agree. So, yeah, I agree. I, I think I'm not saying. I, I think if we come out, if next year we come out with a with a, with a, with a, a conservative overall majority, we get Brexit done, then I think there will be a, a mini boom mm. in as much for a year because lots of pent up demand. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm not saying it will last forever, but I think that would be that. That's probably I, what I, might happen. I feel very sorry for any government that has to make the deci- the difficult decision to stop help to buy. But well, I think it needs to be done at some point. And well, I, think I think that's going to be a yeah. very difficult decision to make. I think make what they need is, yeah. it's like a drug. It needs, you need to wean, wean them off, off it. It's yeah, like having yeah, morphine yeah. in hospital or something. Yeah. They don't just cut it straight. They, yeah. they wean you off it. Uh, and that's where I think that's, I think that's what they need to. And actually, they're starting. Because from next April, mm. you can only be uh, help, use the help to buy if you are a first-time buyer. Mm. Whereas up to now, of course, it's for other people as well, which I always mm. forget. Mm. Well, essentially, it just magnifies the results, doesn't it? Because if you, if the market's going up, it's just magnifying. Well, well I'm very pleased because I've got three reasonable sized schemes where I've got help to buy on. So thank you very much for that, <laughs> and thank you to the government. <laughs> well, brilliant. So, in terms of obviously, we're kind of talking about the property market. Mm. What are you most excited or positive about for the future of UK property? If we, if we have a Labour government, there's nothing to be excited about. We're in big trouble. Mm. Because the first thing they'll do is cut the help to buy scheme and put it into social housing. They don't believe anyone should really no, no. have more than one house. Now, this, this is interesting. So yeah. when you say put it into social housing, yeah. if you look at social housing, for, for example, the rents, the rent, yes. social housing rents have gone up yeah. 
I think it's about three times more in the last ten years than private rents. They have, have gone of up. course. And would, do you not think that they'll nationalise some of these social housing schemes? So these. Mm. I think they will. I think because lots of people say, "Oh, if there's a Corbyn government, we'll start looking at more benefits, tenant, and social yeah. housing." But actually, I think that could be the first thing to go. Yeah, I, I think the whole. I, I think they will try and do some very radical things very, very quickly, which is virtually impossible. You know, the, if you imagine the country's like one massive boat mm. that takes a long time to stop, mm. turn around, mm. and go mm. the other way. And, and, and I just worry big time about... So that's your biggest concern then about... Huge concern, because I'm, and, and, and because I'm involved in the Conservative Party mm-hmm. and I'm, I've been um, canvassing and so on, and what worries me is that a lot of sort of middle-class, sort of nice semi-detached houses with a couple of kids in their 30s aspiring to perhaps mm-hmm. move into a detached house, a lot of those people are saying, well, we think we might give Labour a chance. And I say, well, you do know that they, they, they're, not, they're not a party for home ownership. You know, they don't believe in home ownership. And that's worrying because in the past, any person that buys a property is normally going to vote. The Tory party believe if you're a homeowner, you're likely to vote Tory because you're aspirational, you're ambitious, and you want to get on in life and you want to own your own home. Now, if that's changed, if that's changed, that is a problem. So, so what? Okay, kind of going off on a politi- yeah. political tangent. No, we here. may not want to do that. Well, sorry, I think it's always interesting. Yeah. Um, the manifestos I don't think are out for no. for the parties yet, so it's all a bit of hearsay and things like and that. And by the way, the last manifesto was written from three 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 Norwich Road, Ipswich. Oh, really? For yeah. the Conservatives, okay. right. Ben Gummer wrote it. So what? Amazing. What, for me, one of the biggest yeah, over issues. Over three days, he wrote it. For me, one of the biggest issues yeah. is stamp duty. Yeah. So, what is the Conservatives? Okay. Um, okay. Think so, of stamp duty. So, um, I can certainly give you my thoughts. Yeah, my, my thoughts on stamp duty is that three percent, the three percent levy, if you like, and it will it needs to be reduced. I spoke to the Secretary of State for Housing two weeks ago at a meeting with him and a few other people. I got the impression... Why do you think the 3% needs to be reduced? I think it needs to be reduced because what's happened is it's killing the help, it's killing the um, buy-to-let market. Well, I, I say, I, I try and look at this from... Obviously, I can look at it from a property yep. professional's point of view, yes. and, that I, and that's going to be very warped, but I try and look at it from a sort of the, the rest of society who mm. probably don't want to go and buy developments and things like that. And, and I kind of think, well... Rather than using the stick, use the carrot mm-hmm. to get what you want from a government's point of view. So if we've got homes that are, and I think this has just come out in a, in a recent court case actually, uh, if you've got homes that are uninhabitable, mm. then use the carrot to get developers yeah. to buy it, to yeah. put it back in, yes. in into the market yeah. for rent. I do agree that having that extra 3% um, does help more people get into home ownership. I know it, 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 it will reduce some of the rentals, but if you look at the aspirations of people, a lot of them are wanting to get on the ladder. There's always going to be, in the, in the UK, people that won't ever be able to do it, and there's going to be that element. But for me, one of the biggest issues is we've, we've, they've made changes like for first-time buyers for stamp duty, which yep, I think is fantastic. But what they've done is they've kind of supercharged the bottom of the market and mm. forgot about the top and so it's squeezed onto the ceiling so now you've got these baby boomers who yeah. have got these five bed detached yep. houses and their kids have all moved out 
and they don't they're not motivated to sell no why because would of moving the cost of moving, cost of moving. then the um, the extra stamp you've got to pay on to say homes yeah. over a million quid well no. I would be an example of that so, oh, I, yeah. so I live in a very yeah. you know yeah. relatively nice house with land and everything else and actually you know I wouldn't mind buying something smaller mm. and all the rest of it but I'm thinking, well, am I really going to pay 150 grand stamp duty mm-hmm. to, for the privilege of... It does put you off doing that. And I think what they need to do is look at people in that position who are looking to downsize and mm. motivate them by saying, we'll do a similar thing like the first-time buyers yeah. reduce stamp yeah. for if you're downsizing either... You should be a housing minister. You should property property value. Oh, well, well, put, I'll put my name in there. Well, it's been ten of the, eight, eight <laughs> exactly. of the last ten years. Yeah. Why not have another one? It doesn't seem, Why not to, have another it doesn't one? seem to be the in vogue job, does no, it? No, it doesn't. Uh, so, But what I would say, the reason they put the 3% stamp mm. levy on the stamp duty was to... Was to, was to Change the ownership from from investors buying to first time buyers, and, and that's and it, worked. And it's got worked. more first time buyers oh, yeah. now than at any time since ninety eight. I'm not so saying get rid worked. of it. I don't think we should get rid of it. I think there needs to be an element of favoritism for people to own their own home over investors buying second homes. I just think I, I, that, I, think I just think the three percent needs to be cut a bit. Yeah. Okay. And I, th- I think the government will, if we if we come out of Brexit, mm-hmm. if we come out. I think they'll cut that. Reduce corporation cut tax. That. That's I think they will. Cut VAT. Cut rate. Cut cut corporation tax and and cut stamp duty. Because when you look at stamp duty, it's the one thing. Although their takings are less than they less were. Than it's a completely slow down it, transactions. It's, 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 yeah, yeah, they did. They wanted to slow it down in London. Mm. Congratulations. Yep. They've definitely done yeah. that. Uh, and what has happened, it's had a knock-on effect across the UK, mm-hmm. and they need to get those levels up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, money needs to flow. It's not so much about no. whether prices go up or prices but, but come down. There no. needs to be transactions. True, but also, Rod, bear in mind that 80,000 people move, 80,000 properties are sold every month in the UK. Mm. 80,000, even now. 80,000 properties. But, of course, if they can get that up, you look at the, the, the one thing... I wonder how that, many of them are new homes, though, rather than yeah, a lot, yeah. second home movies. Well, two hundred yeah. something like 220,000 mm. new homes are built every year. Mm. The government trying to get it up to 300,000. Mm. But what I would say is that what's, what's really important is the fact that if you can sell more houses, it has such a knock-on effect because people spend money well, restoring money. It them, just puts money doing into the carpets, yeah. kitchens... You know, apart from the labour to build mm. the houses or repair them, mm. so it's one of the few industries in the UK where it's really good for employment. Mm, mm. And um, okay, so let's let's leave the, the politics yeah, aside. Sorry about that. No, that's all right. It's, uh, what you said is your biggest concern about the UK property is probably a Labour government. Oh, without, it should be everyone's. Yeah. What's your biggest? Uh, what are you most positive about? What's your? What are you most optimistic about then? A conservative government, <laughs> because I think if we can get them in on, on, with a decent majority, yeah. And I'm not sure the majority will be much more than twenty, but it, it, that's probably enough. Then there's so many good things they can do in the next five years that they haven't done in the last three years because they've been consumed by Brexit, totally consumed, mm. and it, and they've been very very poor in my view. And they need to pull the socks up. And, and I think they will do uh, under Boris Johnson. So give me a non-political answer. Mm-hmm. Apart from politics, is there anything else that, can, that you're optimistic about in UK property or pessimistic about? I'm pessimistic about all the education people are getting. Mm. Or, and that's why I wrote my first book and why, I'm, yeah. why we're probably sitting here talking, yeah. to be honest with you. I'm passionate about people uh, being involved in property 
but being involved for the right reasons mm. in the right mm. way. Mm. And there is money to be made in it. Mm. And it's a great life. Uh, it's not as glamorous as... Uh, as some people think, as you know, Rod. Uh, although we are in this beautiful hotel, and we both have got time to sit here next to the fire on a uh, was it a Wednesday afternoon yeah, in yeah, London? Yeah, so yeah, I mean, yeah, let's yeah, be honest, yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not it's not all bad, yeah. and it's not for everybody. And one thing I think, what I find so criminal about these these educators, if you like, is they are assuming or telling everyone anyone can do it, mm. and you and I both know that is not possible. Everyone cannot do it. It doesn't suit some people. It, it wouldn't suit me to be an accountant. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't know where to start. Mm. It wouldn't suit me to, to <laughs> be a teacher, probably, or whatever. Not everyone is suited to it, and they're trying to make out mm. it's easy and anyone can do it, and they can't. And when I speak to some people and you listen to them, I say, look, I'm not being rude. I just don't think you're suited to it. Mm. And some take a bit of an offence to that and say, mm. well, why do you think that? So, well, you know, you worry... You worry about crossing the road. You know, if you worry, you don't want to be... The other thing is, of course, you don't want to be too gun-ho either. Well, you I, know, think, I think it comes down to, to people's risk profile, isn't it? I think and, that's and, right. And, I think one of the, and they've got a young family, some well, of them, exactly. you know, and It's so like on. this old age, age question of, if you had 100 grand, what would you do with... In, well, how would you invest it in property? And the answer really should be completely different for everyone. Loads because of yeah, because it depends if you're, you're 21 young, free yeah, and single absolutely. and have no money, or are you yeah. coming to retirement with a nest egg of... And the one thing I yeah. say, Rod, when I speak to these people and these talks and so on, is that the first thing you have to do is decide what you want to do. Mm. And, you know, what, in, what, what interests you in property? And a lot of people listening to this will always be in property and will know what interests them. But there's a lot of people that don't who would want to get into it, first thing you need to know is what you're interested in. Because if you're talking to an estate agent or someone's going to find you deals, they want to know what you buy. Mm. Oh, I buy everything. Well, they're not going to, you're not going to get a phone call from them. <laughs> if you say, well, I specialise in buying blocks of flats, I do this, I do that, they'll ring you. So, John, your business now, mm-hmm. thinking about your portfolio or your business, yes. what is the biggest risk to your business right now and what are you doing to mitigate against it? Well, the biggest risk is the Labour government. And I'm the conservative. Uh, I'm a conservative chairman, and I'm working very hard to make sure that that, that we get our, our candidate in as a uh, as an MP, conservative MP in Ipswich, uh, uh, and that across the country, the Conservatives are successful. I thought you'd answer that. <laughs> now, last question. This is something I try and ask to everyone. Yes. What is the kindest thing anyone has ever done for you in business? That's a really, really interesting question. I think basically you've got to remember business is a business and actually not many people are that kind. That's mm-hmm. the first thing I'd say. I have had, what I would say is this, I have had three or four backers over my career, all of which uh, I still engage with now and still work with now on occasions. And I would say that I could ring any of them up and if I was really stuck, they would all, I believe, if I said, look, I really need half a million pounds next week, you know, I'm on my uppers, I've got a problem, I'd like to think all of them would send me a cheque. And I imagine that's obviously now because you've created that track record, but for the first one to back you, yeah. that must have been, they must have really sort of, I don't know, there must have been something about you that they felt, right, okay, this is a... Yeah, I think the most important thing, I think I really genuinely mean this, the most important thing for any, when you to attract a backer or to work with anyone else uh, is you've got to be flexible with them. You can't be dogged. 
about your 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 how you want to do it. You need to be a bit flexible. You need to treat them with respect. They are your business partners. They're not your mates. So you know you don't want to be going on holiday with them and all the rest. You need to keep that. Mm. Uh, and certainly with um, I always get uh, Robert Boyce, uh, my first real backer. He said, John, you can call me Robert, but all any staff have to call me Mr. Boyce. And I thought, you know what? That's that's interesting. Yeah. And actually, they yes yeah, changed probably over the years. But you know, I thought that was a very interesting comment he made. You may call me Robert, but anyone else must call me Mr. Boyce. And it shows that respect and and you know gravitas. And I think actually that you can everyone can learn from that because a backer, uh, you do two separate different things. So one's I'm finding the deals, he was finding the money or whatever. And um, he always said to me, John, if the deal's good enough, I'll find the money from somewhere. Yeah, well, I, I, I agree with that. Yeah. And um, recently, I think there was a, a study done with, or a, a kind of a, a journal, something like that, done where they interviewed lots of business leaders. Uh, and one of the things that came out, one of the things, that, the attributes that they all had where they were all really good at conflict resolution and conflict management. They could make difficult decisions quickly and without emotion. Mm. What attributes do you think make a good business leader? You'll give me a grilling this afternoon, you <laughs> um, I think I think a good a good you know there's people at different levels and mm. and and I'm like I said I might be just at the bottom of the championship probably and there's some fantastic property developers who've made millions and millions and millions and millions who are top of the tree and so on and and they're very special people I'm not suggesting um, I'm not talking about them now but I would say on the whole in my experience my the biggest asset you can have is to get on with everyone. Mm. Because the whole point is, and I always say, used to say to my stepchildren, you know, smile, you're halfway there if you smile, and engage with everyone on the same level. So whether it's the gardener you meet on the way out, or, or, or it's Lord, somebody who's come around to see you, you treat everyone the same, you treat them the same, and you engage with them in the same way. And if you can do that in life, I think you're doing okay. That's a great bit of advice. And I certainly see it from you because we've bumped into each other. Yeah. I think we were on panels yeah. together. And, yeah. and, um, and, and it, you're always in the room talking to absolutely everyone. So, yeah, I can, I can definitely see you've taken your own advice Thank on that you. one. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, John, is there anything you would like our audience to know about you? You mentioned um, you're releasing a book in February. Yeah, so, I've, so I, it, it's an interesting year. It's been a really interesting year. I've really enjoyed myself. Um, because I, I wrote this book because I didn't like the education I was hearing and the, not all the advice but some of the advice people were getting um, so I wrote a book and that snowballed to TV work and I've done a second book on more more um, which has just come out on, on more um, sophisticated advanced property dealing um, and what's that and book investment. called? John Howard's Guide to Prop- Advanced Property Development and Investment I had to think about that and where, and where, uh, do they, where can people and that's that? for um, johnhowardpropertyexpert.co.uk okay. it's going on Amazon I think next week to be fair my first book's on Amazon my we don't book. want the audience buying it off Amazon no we don't because at the end of the day I, I, they take so much money <laughs> I, I won't be able to live um, and the third book on John Howard's Property Guide to uh, Buying and Selling at Auction okay, uh, yeah. is available I think from February and I'm doing some seminars next year and uh, one or two TV shows and I've really 
really enjoyed that side of things. I met so many new people. And what, it's what, given what, me a new lease of life, to be honest. And what made you get back into kind of that, that whole profile building? Yeah, stuff, I yeah. mean, I've always had a bit of a profile with the football club and yeah. other things as well. Uh, and, what I, and I've really found it, uh, everyone's been very welcoming. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed the people I've met. You're clearly a people person. Yeah, right? and, and actually, it's quite lonely being a developer yeah, on your own. Yeah, yeah. You know, I know that sounds a bit, a bit, bit naff, perhaps, but you know, I spend a lot of time driving up and down the country on my own, if you like. Mm-hmm. And and it's been great. It's a new lease of life, and um, I'm well, you really enjoying to to doing more podcasts, right? You Absolutely, the podcasts podcast, up yeah. and down on the way, on the way, and so on. I've got so I've got got some to listen to now. <laughs> Brilliant. Well, thanks very much, John. That's been it's an great. absolute really pleasure. Enjoyed it. Yeah. Good. Thank Cheers. you. Thanks. Please join me next time for more detailed discussions about property on The Rodcast.